it's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. Facing elimination from the MLS Cup playoffs, the Red Bulls kicked it into high gear and ran right through the Columbus crew and into the Eastern Conference Final. We look back at how New York flipped the script from a 1-0 first leg loss to a 3-0 throttling of the crew in the second leg at Red Bull Arena. The MLS postseason continues for both the New York Red Bulls and the Full of Bulls podcast. Welcome everyone alongside Alfredo Fumasas. I am Mike Corbett. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Of course, you can find us on Podbean and Spotify. And be sure to rate, leave comments, and tell your fellow Red Bull supporters about the Full of Bulls podcast. There's a lot to talk about this week. The Red Bulls and move on, as we do, for at least another week or two. Alfredo, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Yeah. I'm doing great. A little bit of a more of a – I guess you weren't too anxious about coming into the second leg as, as I was, but it's a, a little bit of a more comfortable feeling doing this podcast this evening than possibly last week after what we saw in the first leg in in Columbus, though. Yeah. yeah I was confident that, uh, that the Red Bulls were going to get the result that uh, Red Bull Arena, despite having their struggles against Columbus all season – I yeah. thought that the Rebels were were in a good position uh, to turn things around the Rebel Arena. Yeah, and how did they turn it around? Well, heading back home after dropping the first leg in Columbus 1-0, they stormed out to a commanding 3-0 victory at Red Bull Arena. They advanced to the Eastern Conference Final with a 3-1 goal aggregate. The Red Bulls in this one, we had talked about last week, where coming out early and trying to establish yourself and maybe Columbus might try to do the same. Columbus didn't really do that much in the first half. It was all the Red Bulls. They were on the throttle early and they were rewarded when Aaron Long banked the shot off of Alex Muil. I believe it was around the, was the 17th minute. I had it written down here. Yeah, in the 17th minute where uh, Aaron Long took a shot Banked it off of Alex Muil uh, unintentionally and went into the cruise goal to make it 1-0. Either whoever got it, you know, Aaron Long gets the assist. Muil gets credited with the goal. Also, Daniel Royer got uh, the hockey assist, whereas he headed it over to Long. It was just a really great play to set up from the beginning with Sean Davis doing the, the X mark with the free kick with, for the signal. And it was um, uh, well played. That was they had a few other opportunities to score in the first half. They had another set play off a free kick. Uh, they weren't able to get in. Alex Muil, they they kicked it off to the side. Alex Muil got maybe in a little too deep, and uh, the goalie was able to to smother it up. But they were all over him. But that was the only score heading into halftime. And coming out in the second half, the crew sort of righted themselves a little bit. Maybe there might have been some signs of uh, anxiousness thinking about what happened last week. Columbus coming out of halftime where they jumped on the Red Bulls and took the lead. But the Red Bulls took control of the game once again. And that was thanks to Danny Royer with two goals in a three-minute span in the 73rd and 76th minute to ice this game for New York. The first goal was sort of a really great team goal setting up with all the different passes leading to Royer's finish. It wasn't from Bradley Wright Phillips to Alex Muil to Tyler Adams, who dished it over to Royer and put it into the goal. 
Red Bull Arena was going nuts at that point, and then the lid blew off it probably a few moments later. It all started with uh, Daniel Warrior's second goal, the lead-up to it. It was Sean Davis gets the ball off of Justin Miram, start, gets a turnover, starts a fast break. Murillo kicks it over to Kaku. Kaku lists, lays it over to Royer, and Royer just you know, put it right past uh, Stefan. Great finish by Royer. 3-0, that, that – uh, that was signed, sealed, delivered for the Red Bulls. You knew they were advancing after that, and Columbus pretty much had nothing following that goal. The, the captain, Luis Robles, three saves. It was a rather uneventful evening. I think he maybe had one really good one, but three saves in the evening. His seventh career MLS playoff shutout. Roy on the night, two goals and an assist. He also had the assist on the opening goal. Alex Muir with a goal and assist. Kaku and Aaron Long each with assist. Five assists overall for the Red Bulls. So the Red Bulls, for the fifth time in their history, and the fourth as the New York Red Bulls, one time with the Metro Stars back in 2000, advanced to the conference final. Uh, they've only won at this stage at one point. That was in 2008 when they were crossed over to the Western Conference. And then they eventually went lost to... Columbus Crew in the final last time they made it to the conference final was in 2015 when they just lost to the team they just dispatched, the Columbus Crew. So I want to start off with you, Alfredo. You were at the game. I know that because I could see you on TV. You were sitting in my seat. I think you also took a picture of it too. Yeah. My my name placard, yes. That was that was very nice of you. And I did see you on TV, but you didn't wait. Saw me on course, TV. You know. Yes. It was not a close-up. It was it was a distance, but I knew where the seats are, so I knew I could see you sitting there. I, I knew it was you. You were there that evening. Uh, watching on TV, it really seemed like the, the fans, the Red Bull supporters, were really engaged from the beginning. There was It was a good crowd there su- Sunday night. Looked, it was just shy of a sellout, but it was a very active crowd, a noisy crowd. You could sense it right from the beginning. You could really hear it on the TV, but you were there in person. Sometimes you really don't get the full appreciation of the crowd and the impact it's having. Just the uh, atmosphere, just to start off with that, at least, the, the first Look, part, the atmosphere yeah. at Red Bull Arena. It was, uh, it was definitely a playoff atmosphere. Uh, I don't, I've been to, to plenty of uh, Red Bull games this uh, season and other seasons, and I think that uh, the atmosphere probably has to be there. Probably uh, top, one of the top five atmospheres that I've felt at Red Bull Arena. The crowd was into it early on. Uh, the South Ward was very vocal, very loud, uh, getting the, the rest of the stadium involved in, in the chance. And I think that the team uh, really fed off that uh, that energy. Um, I think that um, anytime the, the Red Bulls had something going, there was a, a brouhaha from, from the from the yeah. crowd. Uh, so it it was it was noticeable, and I think that the team felt that uh, getting that goal uh, 15, 20 minutes into the game uh, also helped. Uh, and if you recall uh, last week when I mentioned that uh, it was important for for Columbus to neutralize the rebel crowd uh, for the first 15, 30 minutes, uh, they weren't able to do that as the rebel. Yeah got the goal. Uh, and I thought that the Rebels really fed off the crowd. They went into the locker room uh, thinking that they could turn this around, not they had it even. Uh, it was good that they got um, the goal before the half, so they take off a little pressure off of them uh, coming into the second half, and they know they still had 45 uh, minutes to play and to turn around the, the, the score. Uh, and uh, I, I thought it was a really good atmosphere. I think... Uh, when you want to get into the game and, and uh, 
the thing that impressed me the the most was the way they were able to shut down um Iguain, Federico Iguain. Um mm-hmm. I you know just from being at the stadium like you said when you watch it on TV you don't get you don't get a, a true uh feel for for what's going on especially tactically and now the players are, are are moving uh but there was always somebody looking around to see where Iguain was. Um New York's uh, midfield I thought they did great i thought uh sean davis and tyler adams did uh did did great kaka also did great but uh, sean davis and tyler adams just really looking for Iguain, uh also looking for will trap which is one of the guys that, that likes to release the ball and and likes to build out from from the back and i thought that the rebels did a great job um we later found out in the in the postgame presser that zardis uh had really uh had dislocated his shoulder and yeah. it a couple of days before really, really bad. So he wasn't 100%. But look, I think whether Zardis is um, is active or, or healthy or 100% or not, I thought this game from the get-go was going to be the uh, the Rebel game just from the tone of it. The crowd was into it. As I mentioned, the team fed off of that. And I think that uh, the Rebels had really had a lot of things going for them this night and they were able to capitalize and and also like i mentioned daniel royer is a guy that despite not being at 100 percent, is a guy that shows up in positions to give himself a, a good look on goal and uh, we saw that with the with new york's uh, second goal his first and in the third goal i just thought that uh stefan should have done a lot better on it yeah yeah, they probably got a little fortunate there, but you still take it nonetheless. I guess uh, what I wanted to get to before we get to a lot of the different positives, just one that I don't know if it's necessarily a negative, but it still might be a cause of concern with me going forward, especially going into this conference final. <clears throat> Maybe it had to do with, as you said, with the with the crowd, how it really got the Red Bulls going, but you saw a completely different Red Bull team in that second leg uh, this past Sunday than you did the team the first leg in Columbus. And that was also a Red Bull team going into that game where they had a week off. They were going up against a Columbus team that played 120 minutes just was it three days prior to that, and, and they were off. You know, the, the Red Bulls, they were just – nothing was really happening for them in that game. Just what is it where they were able to almost to flip the switch from that game to this game this past Sunday? And the reason why I ask that, because, you know, if that's Atlanta, we're going to preview Atlanta next week because obviously we want to see what everything that happens with international break and we'll have more stuff that comes out. But when we preview the conference final with Atlanta, the way they played that first leg against Columbus if that's against Atlanta, they're not coming home only down one nil. They might be coming down two, three, four nil against that Atlanta team, which is a team that I know they've had a success against. I'm just saying, you know, why couldn't we see that Red Bull team that we saw this past Sunday, two Sundays ago in Ohio? Look, I, I think that it's a, it's a combination of, of a few things, right? I think the first one is uh, there's some anxiety playing this playoff because you've come this far uh, and now you really don't want to screw up to the point that you're you're behind a lot. So going to Columbus, there was a little bit of hesitation and, and anxiety from from the Rebels. Uh, I thought they were uh, probably too cautious in the first half. And as you mentioned, they could have gone down 
they could have gone down the first half. They were uh, able to hold their own in the first half. In the second half, they really got cut up uh, by uh, by Columbus with Iguain coming in at the half to half halfway point. But uh, uh, yeah, same team. The biggest difference is that the Rebels knew what they had to do. Uh, knew that they were down one goal and they needed to get on on the on the board early. Uh, knew that their fans were behind them. Knew that uh, that Red Bull Arena has been a fortress for them all season long. And I think that the Rebels really felt confident going into the game. And especially only being down one nothing, they knew that if it, they could neutralize a, a couple of key players as they did, that sooner or later they would put themselves in a situation where they could even out the game. After all, it's only one. Uh, it's only one goal that they needed to get back. And then against the team that, as we mentioned last week, that probably had, uh, along with Orlando, the worst uh, number of goals scored oh, through, yeah. throughout uh, the season. So it's not really a powerhouse like Atlanta. This is a team that has struggled to to score, but has done well at home, which allowed them to be in the, in a, in the playoffs. Uh, but this is not a team that's going to come to Rebel Arena and, and put uh, three uh, on the Rebels like they did last time they were at Rebel Arena, which I thought it was a, a little bit of an, an anomaly. So, look, I, I just think that everything lined up. The Rebels were up for it, and and uh, it's a lot different when you're playing at home in front of your fans uh, than it is on the road on the first round, the first leg, uh, and there's a little bit of... of uh, of an hesitation on your part that you don't want to expose yourself and you you don't really want to give up uh, uh, the, give up a result that will put you in a bad position over the course of the two legs. All right, I just hope they just take that going into this um, conference final, going into seventy thousand fans there at Mercedes Benz Stadium is going to be a, a totally eye opening experience. I know they went down there earlier this year. We're able to get a result, but I think come playoff time, it's going to be a little bit extra jacked up there as well. All right, we'll get back to the positives now. Daniel Warrior, deservingly named man of the match. Um, I decided to go with, um, I tweeted out, uh, not from our account, but from another account. I decided to give uh, three stars. You know how they do in hockey, the first star, the second star, the third star. <laughs> All right, the three stars I had, um, I didn't have one of the guys you were mentioning before, Sean Davis. Uh, he he did have a good night, but the three stars for this game that I had, my third star was Tyler Adams. The second one I put in Alex Mwil, and it was also a good article. If people have The Athletic, it was a subscription. Uh, I think Christian Dyer had a piece about Alex Moyle this week on The Athletic. It's really, really good about him. And number one, obviously, Daniel Royer. Those are the guys I went with my three stars. Who would you, if you were ranking your three stars to that game, or would you change these orders around? Would you put someone in, take someone out? Look, I, uh, <laughs> Royer has to be in it. Uh, I think that uh, both Sean Davis and, and Tyler Adams both deserve to be on there. I thought that Kaka had a, had a, uh, Kaka. Mm -hmm. Kaku had a great game. Kaka. <laughs> Kaku had a great game. And, and Kaka look, might I, have been watching it. <laughs> I thought it was a really, a really good team effort, with especially with the guys in the min, in the midfield, and and seeing how how much they got burned. But you also got Aaron Long, uh, 
uh, dealing with uh, Zardes and and you know so much, man. I, I think it's it's hard to pick three. Haven't we all pooch, poach his goals too? You know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, look, you put uh, you put Daniel Royer on there because he scored two goals, right? Uh, especially one being the the go ahead goal and the other one being yeah. the closer. Um, and then I I think I put one of those midfield guys in it. Uh, and, it and it's hard. I know that Muil is that consistent. Um, guy that's going to give you a very high work rate, both on uh, the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but you can't uh, you can't take anything away from from the rest of the team. I didn't oh, think right. anyone had a bad game. Oh no, exactly. But I'm just saying. But it's hard. It's I, hard I, I wanted to, I wanted just to point out Alex Muil because he's a guy that's been. You know, we, we've beat him up a few times, too, and the, and the fan base has as well because they sort of expect more from him. He's someone who's a forward, doesn't really score that many goals. He was sort of a different player uh, that he was at Georgetown as he is with the Red Bulls, but he's sort of growing into it, getting accustomed to his role. And, you know, you've, you've seen him growing and, and get stronger and, and better and better, and obviously his work rate, he puts it in there. He's got a great motor. Um, and I just thought he really had a strong game for someone who some, you know, fans like to always overlook or say, hey, why are you starting him? I just thought he really put in a good effort. Obviously, the goal was a little bit of a fluke because it bounced off of him, went in. But just also just the presence he had and also just uh, the role he played in, in some of the other uh, goals for the Red Bulls that night. So he was just someone I really wanted to point out. And then obviously, yeah. Tyler Adams was just really strong, I thought, in midfield. Here's a guy who hasn't scored any goals this year for the Red Bulls, but you wouldn't really notice that that he did or not. Uh, you know, you'd maybe like to see him score a little bit more, but just the overall presence he has, his attitude, his uh, aura that he goes about himself. I mean, he was, yeah, he was definitely up there as one of the, the players, one of the best players for the Red Bulls Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, you, you always know what you're going to get with Alex Muriel. Yeah, he's not a world beater, but yeah. <laughs> the effort is always there, much like ever all the Red Bulls, yeah. really. Yeah, and that, that's what you need. You need good, solid MLS players, and also guys who come up through the system, homegrown guys. So it was, you know, two guys I'm pointing out: Adams and Muil. Not only homegrown guys, but locals. You know, what Muil coming from uh, Manhattan, Tyler Adams was at Wappinger Falls, just upstate New York. So it was, you know, good to see those guys jump in there as well. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. All three of the Red Bull goals, just you know, it, it really stood out to me today when I was just watching some of the replays and just some of the highlights of each of the goals as well, and just some of the other things from the game. But just all three Red Bull goals, they all were different in nature. You had the first goal was a designated play off the free kick for the opening goal, the passing leading up to the second goal, all the different guys who had touches leading to Royer's finish, and then even the third goal. <coughs> excuse me again just the pressure by the Red Bulls defense, getting the turnover and then coming back, you know, breaking the, the other way and Royer finally finishing it again. After watching all the goals, um, which one really stood out to you the most where you look at it and says, yeah, this is really like the Red Bulls play. Obviously the free kick. Yeah. I threw that in there. Anyone could do that, but that's also something that they really harp on at practice with free kicks as well. Just all three goals in, in a way sort of define you know, the Red Bulls and who they do, what they are, what they practice and, you know, what, what they try to be as, as a soccer club. 
Yeah, no, I look, I think that uh, the second goal, because uh, it's a goal that involves um, a lot of players, involves a lot of combinations, short passes. I mean, you're watching the warm-up. Uh, the Rebels uh, do a rondo in the warm-up, which is uh, basically a 5v2 or even in a short in a short space of the field, short uh, I would say maybe no more 20 by 20 yards square. Uh, you almost got all uh, uh, 16 players in there, and they just touch the ball, one touch it. And that's what the, the Rebels are, are good at. So to see that type of play in a second, really uh, see how it developed, it really, really uh, embodies the, the style of, the, of this Red Bulls team when they have the ball. Yeah. I just thought all three. I go. You could say, yeah, that's that's what the Red Bulls, what they try to do with the with the pressing on defense of the third goal, getting it and breaking the other way and scoring. The first goal, how they always talk about their designated set plays off of, and then the second one is everyone getting the touch and the finish. I'm going. <clears throat> each one, you could say, yeah, that's that's a Red Bulls. You know what they practice, they practice what they preach, and all this stuff. And I'm going, you know, also me as a Manchester United fan, I'm watching the mess that they had earlier that day against Manchester City, where you know, United they don't really have any. The the last several years, there hasn't really been any plan about them, or you know, they bring in guys, you know, square pegs to fit into round holes. And you just look at the Red Bull setup. Obviously, there's a difference with the players that play over in Europe compared to the United States, so for the most part. But you talk about the way the Red Bulls are set up just with their system. It's almost superior the way uh, Manchester United is set up at this point, unfortunately. Well, you know, good for the Red Bulls, you know. They could probably go and beat United right now. Okay. So with the game, as we said, Red Bulls move on. They are moving on to meet Atlanta United because over in the other Eastern Conference semifinal, Atlanta walloped New York City FC 3-1 in the second leg at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in front of over 70,000 fans. It was a, a pretty wild atmosphere, giving Atlanta the 4-1 goal aggregate for that series. That sets up the Eastern Conference Final between the Red Bulls and Atlanta United, the two teams with not only the two best regular season records this season, but in MLS history. So that's, that's a, sort of a, something to laugh at. First leg in Atlanta, Sunday, November 25th, 5 p.m. ESPN will be carrying that game. The second leg back at Red Bull Arena on Thursday, November 29th at 7 p.m. That will be on Fox Sports 1. Now, with this one, there's not a week between each game. It's a Sunday-Thursday format, also with the next week, this week being the international break. Over in the Western Conference, Sporting Kansas City survives against the fighting peckies of uh, Real Salt Lake. This was a really wild one, the second leg. The first leg finished 1-1 in Utah. Then Kansas City comes back and wins 4-2 on their home turf in a wild affair, where at one point where the game was 3-2 and Real Salt Lake was pushing for that final goal, if they would have scored it, they would have went in with uh, – they would advance with the way goals. But uh, they couldn't get it, and they sort of scored a late goal, Kansas City, when Utah, uh, Salt Lake was pressing at the end. So – Sporting Kansas City advances and over in the other semifinal, Portland eliminates their bitter rivals, the Seattle Sounders, and penalties to advance. So the Timbers will be hosting Kansas City the first leg, Kansas City getting the return leg. All right. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about the, the conference final previews next week because we want to see. Hopefully everyone comes through 
with the, the international break, but just some other Red Bull news and other MLS news as well, Alfredo, where Forbes came out with their list, most valuable MLS teams for 2018 and Atlanta United, you know, the darlings of MLS, they are number one at 330 million. A lot has to do with the stadium selling the, the, the new shirts. They have, they have a nice little design, Atlanta United, the players that, <clears throat> that they have as well. So they're at 330 million and the Red Bulls were 11th on that list, 250 million. So you just talk about some of the, the value of these franchises. I think some of them, when New York City was coming in, my fact, New York City FC were seventh at 278 million. When they were coming into the league, I, I forgot what their expansion free was. Was it a hundred million? I don't remember. New York City FC, and you talk about some of these these teams now, what they're going for. You know, the the price just keeps on going up and up, and you see more people wanting to invest in the league. And not only that, Red Bulls. They're still looking for a sponsor for Red Bull Arena, so I don't, I don't know if you want to throw your name into the hat. You want you want to sponsor it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What, what does that cost? <laughs> yeah, that that would be another thing. Right now, they're looking for was possibly sports betting companies. That's something I was reading on MLSsoccer.com, but there's been always rumors about that in the past. All right. Also, as I said, with the international break, Red Bulls eight players being called up, and this is a possible. It's always good to see them called up, Alfredo, because you know they're obviously doing something right, and you know to be called up to their their countries. That's that means you have you know some pretty good players on your team. But Red Bulls eight players, really seven players, because Christian Caseras was called up. He played with RB two this year. He was called up to the Venezuelan uh, under twenty squad, and even another guy who was called up, um, Fidel Escobar. I'm not sure how much that the Red Bulls are really counting on him come the conference final, unless a few other people get hurt. But you have Tyler Adams and you have Aaron Long being called up to the U.S. team. And they're going to be flying over to Europe playing England tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday night. So they'll be playing at Wembley Stadium Thursday against England. And then they're going to Belgium to play Italy. And that game is Tuesday. Here's one of my concerns, Alfred, because they're playing that game Tuesday on the 20th. And everyone's supposed to be due back with their teams and you know practicing ready to go to 21st. That's a bit of a hike from Belgium to come back to Jersey. Then you have the game against Atlanta on the 25th. So there's yeah. always there's always a concern about guys going off getting hurt. That that's always the thing. But now it's just you're in you're in the playoffs now, and you're talking about you might lose a guy to a sort of a meaningless friendly. Obviously, you know, fans of the U.S. soccer team, which I am, would say, oh, you know, trying to you know build for the future. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, you know just to have these games right now and have to go fly over to Europe. And not only that, you have Kamar Lawrence, who's always called up to, to Jamaica. You have um, Tian Jr. being called up to Haiti. Michael Murillo, along with uh, Escobar, being called up to Panama. And then Kaku being called up to Paraguay. So there's a lot of impact players. That is a bit of a concern with a lot of those guys, very important roles going off in between this you know, semifinal and the conference final. Yeah, I mean, you you cross your fingers and you hope they all come back healthy. That's the the biggest sure. thing. Uh, look, it's always good to get exposure uh, and to get a cap uh, under your belt. Uh, it doesn't come at the at the best time um, for yeah. MLS, um, and it just adds basically more days to the season. And not that I'm in a hurry for, to have the season uh, finished off, but we're here up here in the Northeast, and if the Red Bulls go all the way through. 
Uh, we're looking at a, a December final with the possibility of some some bad weather. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all those things are, are, are factors. Uh, I think that, look, I, I know that the national teams uh, require, you know, and, and FIFA requires that clubs release players for the national teams. But I think that maybe the MLS could have could have put in something here within FIFA because, as you mentioned, they're meaningless games. They're friendlies. There's, but uh, you know, if if the Rebels lose a player and it turns out costing them, and when I say the Rebels, I'm talking, it could be any team in the MLS that's involved in the yeah. playoff run, right? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's uh, probably gonna have have some guys gone as right. well. Yeah, who's going to pay for the impact that's going to have on a team that loses a star player? And here's the thing, as I said, much as I, you know, I support the U.S. soccer team and stuff, you know, they, they are risking losing possibly Aaron Long, who is just also named to the the, the best 11 to by, by congrats to him and Kamar Lawrence. They were named both named to the best 11, uh, 2018 MLS, you know, best starting 11 for they have. And plus Long was the um, defender of the year. They lose someone like him or Tyler Adams playing there at Wembley Stadium or over in Belgium. You know, all of a sudden, you, know, you come back, all right, you, you got to make up for that. And I'm going, and these are games where the United States don't even have their head coach selected yet. Yeah, it might be Burhalter after uh, the Columbus crew got eliminated. But these are games where they've been playing without a real head coach for over a year. And But we're supposed to go over, you know, send our our players over there and, and to play in these games. And you're telling us that these games really mean something when you guys really been half-assing the operation of the U.S. men's national team for – quite some time you know yeah well, yeah i said the red bulls aren't the only guys getting players called up but yeah it is just, what it is I, yeah. I would i would just hate to to see a a player that is very impactful and that's a, a core player in the starting 11 uh get hurt as a result of a friendly game yeah it, it is I, I know I've, I've seen it before. I mean, you've probably seen it with Benfica guys going off and getting hurt. I've seen it with Manchester United. seems like whenever Phil Jones goes off, well, I mean, he gets hurt in practice too with even with <laughs> Manchester United. But I know Fellaini's picked up a knock a few times. There's been a few other guys. Uh, Lukaku's picked up a knock. So, yeah, if, if they're going off in the World Cup and picking up stuff or World Cup qualifying, these games – I guess they have to have them per se, but yeah. you, you would have thought maybe somehow down the line they could work out a deal or something with MLS, just the MLS teams where they're advanced that are still active in, in the postseason where, all right, yeah. can you maybe you know try to lay off taking these guys, especially because Tyler Adams is always called up. He knows a lot of these guys he's playing with, so it's not anything new. And what, the, to play one more time on the, you know, Saracens as the head coach who's not going to be there after this, this weekend? Yep. It's nonsense. All right. Well, hopefully none of the players and even you know, the other teams, Portland, Seattle, even Atlanta, you know, I, I don't want any excuses, especially from the Atlanta United fans, if one of their guys are hurt and they're not playing. Hopefully all these guys can come back and we can really see some good action next week. And we'll be back here next week to sort of go dive more into the conference final, what to expect. Hopefully everyone comes back healthy and then we can have a full real preview of it. Alfredo, it was great talking to you once again. Um, you were right. There was nothing to worry about. I should maybe be a little less pessimistic, or maybe I should just keep it up. Okay. And then, uh, you know, they'll, they'll keep on playing well. So, Alfredo, great talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your week, buddy. All right, buddy.
Take care, Mike. Alfredo Fumasas, I'm Mike Corbett. Good night, everyone, and good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. But thank you once again for listening to the Full of Bulls podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.